So we began a new series last week about discipleship. And we talked about the fact that at our church, we kind of have three main things that we want to be about, and that's uh, to allow discipleship and growth in God's people. Now, first of all, our mission here at Abundant Life Worship Center is to help people find and follow Jesus. So it's our main focus. And of course, we get that from Scripture in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So discipleship is a strong focus for us to help people follow him. Discipleship means to be a disciple of one, to follow his precepts and instructions, to be taught and disciplined. In other words, to be a disciple, you have to be teachable. To be a discipler, you have to have been teachable and taught and learned, and then you give it out to others who are teachable and willing. Discipleship is an ongoing process where we learn and grow as we follow Christ. We also, of course, come to the point, as I just mentioned, in this journey where we begin to disciple others. So one of the key things about knowing how your discipleship is going is, are you discipling others? Because the Holy Spirit always wants us to grow and then pass on what we've got to others. And I believe that sometimes we enter the discipleship process and we get for ourselves, we take it in, we learn, we grow, and then we go back around the circle and get some more. It's like the buffets. Anybody here like buffets? You fill your plate with fried chicken and then you go back around again for more fried chicken, more fried chicken. Well, sometimes I think maybe we do that here at church, but there is a point where after you've had enough fried chicken, you got to go give other people fried chicken. You get my point. We need to also be giving out to others, discipling others. It is a true sign that you're maturing when you start giving to others. But anyhow, I'm getting ahead of myself because today specifically, I want to talk about life groups. All right, so I mentioned there's three main things as a church we want to focus on in the discipleship process. Those three main things are a weekend gathering, which we preached about uh, last weekend, a life group, and serving somehow. It can be serving at the church, but it can be serving in the community. So those are the three main things that I believe when people get involved in, they mature in their faith. Okay, if we only do one, often maturity is stunted or slow. But when we allow ourselves to be involved in these three, we grow. Now, there isn't really an order. There doesn't have to be somebody could enter the process at a life group, or maybe they start serving welcome team, and then the rest come. But typically, or generally, the process does follow. I came to a big, large gathering. I heard about it. Now I want to be part of a life group so I can connect with other people. And then thirdly, hey, I want to serve the Lord, His kingdom purpose somehow. What are my gifts? What am I good at? What can I do? But life groups is what we're looking at today. You see, being part of a life group is a big part of discipleship. Now, first off, I want to say a life group can happen anywhere. 
Life groups don't have to happen at a church building. They can happen anywhere. They're a smaller group of people getting together. They're more intimate. There's more accountability. And they can happen anywhere. A life group can happen in a house. Let me give you some examples from Scripture. Acts 12, verse 12. This is actually talking about Peter, but it says, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. You can read in Scripture many times where they got together in a home, and often life groups happen in a home. Of course, right now, with new restrictions, we can't really promote having a group in a home. But we can have a small group at the church with, you know, following the proper restrictions. Uh, another place where a life group, we see some teaching and training and closeness happening was in a boat. Matthew 14, 24 to 33, Jesus often taught while they were getting to the next place in a boat. The good thing about a boat is it's a captive audience. They can't leave unless they can swim. <laughs> I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. But anyways, listen to this one in Matthew 14, 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I'm just going to take a break there in this story. I don't think I would have stepped over the side of the boat and hear Jesus saying to Peter, oh, you have little faith. <laughs> he actually stepped out and walked for a bit. But he said, why did you doubt me? You see, our faith is not based on us. It's based on who we're putting it in. And you can trust him. You can trust Jesus. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And of course, you can go into scripture and see that they continued. He continued to teach them and talk to them some more. And we know that this happened from time to time, Jesus teaching in a boat. I remember one time many years ago, I was, I'm thinking I was about 25 at the time, and I had the opportunity to go to Israel. And when we were there, we got there and the uh, fellow I was traveling with, who had invited me, said, oh, we got to find you a guitar. So right away, he talked to the group leader. They found me an acoustic guitar. And everywhere we went, I had to play his guitar and sing. And, you know, it was sometimes somebody would preach. It was a lot of fun. But one of the times that sticks in my mind that was really probably the event for me was in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Now this boat was set up for tourists. We didn't have to row it. It had an engine, but they made it wood and, and made it look like an original kind of boat might have been. 
while we were on the boat, singing and worshiping God, and then someone gave a message, a little bit of a sharing. And it was something here was, when we got there, there was about, I'm going to say 15 to 17 complete strangers, except for the guy I went with, and throughout that trip, everybody got really close. Everybody knew each other. I can see their faces still today. This is a lot of years later. Each and every one of them, I can remember some of the things they said, the way they acted. Well, why? Because we were this small group traveling around and worshiping together. You see, life group connects you, and it's important. But life group can happen anywhere. We see in Scripture that often Jesus taught and got them together outside. Now, Israel doesn't have 30 below weather with two feet of snow. I just want you to know that. The temperatures over there make it so that outside can happen quite often. But even for us, outside in the spring, summer, and fall works. Mark 11, verse 19 to 24. It says, that evening Jesus and the disciples left the city. You see, they went walking together, this close, small group. And the next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Here they are walking, and Jesus takes opportunity to teach. They're seeing, they're connecting, and they're learning. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown in the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So what are we believing for in this season? Are we believing for whatever the news tells us? Are we believing for whatever our favorite right-wing or left-wing group tells us? Are we believing for whatever the last meme is that we saw on Facebook? Oh, pastor, don't go there. Or are we believing what the Holy Spirit has said is possible? Because anything is possible when we believe. So here they were outside, walking together connecting. And they learned something that was so memorable, it got written in this book for you and I to hear. So the location of life group really isn't critical. It's the group and the connection. You know, scripture tells us that if all the things Jesus had done and said were written, there wouldn't be books enough to contain it. But yet this story made it in here. Why? Because I believe it's important to connect with one another. And in that informal setting, there they are able to ask questions and talk back and forth. Another place that we see they had life group and learning and connection was in a borrowed room. You see, anywhere outside, inside a borrowed room. So it doesn't have to be your house. It can even be a room. As we know, some life groups happen in other rooms here at the church. Mark 14, verse 13. So Jesus sent two of his disciples to Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. 
At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. And of course, they're talking here about the Last Supper. and We know some amazing teaching happened right there around the table eating. You see, life groups give us opportunity where there can be teaching of truth and scripture, but in an informal context. In other words, a context where you can ask questions back and forth, where others can share what they feel and think and what the Holy Spirit's directing. John 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, here's Jesus teaching them. And this spot where he was teaching them, anybody want to guess where he taught this well-known scripture that we all know? If you love one another, they'll know you're my disciples. Anyone want to guess where he was when he taught that? Sitting around the table, eating. One of the greatest truths for us as we move forward being his followers, loving one another, and he taught them that, eating around the table. Connection in a small group is so, so important. Connection in a small group causes us to be real. You know, let's be honest, in a large group like this, we could come in and put a smile on and kind of even be fake if we need to be, and nobody would know. But you get in a small group around a table, and pretty soon people are being real and honest, and there we are showing love for one another, helping one another, accountability with one another. Acts 20 and verse 8 to 12. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. And as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. <laughs> I really like this story because it makes me feel like I don't go on and on. I don't go all night. <laughs> he talked all night, but the way the story is written, it's like he fell out the window, Paul goes down there, prays for him. Yeah, he's okay, he's alive. Let's go back and keep going. What? <laughs> all night talking. But I love this story because here is family together, all ages. He's a young man, there's others. They're obviously packed in because he found a window seat and they're listening and learning. Life group happens all over. There are times of prayer and dynamic answers also that come at life group. I've shared with you before miracles that I've seen and they happened in a small group at house meeting or they happened in a small group in a vehicle. There's so many that have happened, but Scripture also shows us many miracles, and you take a look at their context, and they were in a small group. 
When you're at your life group meetings, pray for people and expect big miracles because God is ready and willing. Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. That was an amazing story. It happened at a home. Now, people were getting to know who Jesus was, so it was a crowded home. But the point is, he was in a house teaching. These four men had faith. They lowered the man down, and you know the story. Jesus told him first, your sins are forgiven. And then he told him, get up, take up your bed, and go home. Completely healed. And that amazing miracle did not happen in the large gathering. Now, miracles did happen there as well, but it happened in a small group. Can I say this to you? Expect God to do miracles in your life groups. He's not limited. Sometimes we think, well, we need to be at the large service where there's the worship team and, you know, it just feels more like God will do miracles. God will do miracles anywhere that he's asked, anywhere that people believe. And I believe that we are going to hear great testimony of what God has done at life groups. Acts 4 and verse 23 to 31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now they were facing some persecution here and uh, were being told, don't say anything about Jesus anymore. But when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant who you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. There's some truths in here you need to hear for right now. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. This happened in, most likely, a home. Do you want God to move in your life? Do you want the Holy Spirit to fill you with power that miracles can happen when you ask? Sometimes we think that can only happen at a big, large group. Or it can only happen if we get a special speaker from somewhere far away. I don't know what makes special speakers from far away so amazing. It's probably because we don't actually know them. 
Oops. <laughs> They're way more amazing when we don't know anything about them. Listen, right at your life group, the Holy Spirit can shake the building and give power and anointing for miracles. People can be filled with the Holy Spirit around a table. People can be filled with the Holy Spirit going for a walk. I believe that. And I want to also say this about life groups, and this is important. There are friendships and lifelong connections built in the close setting of life group. Let me say that again. There are friendships and lifelong connections that are built in the close setting of life group. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. I have told you everything the father told me. Jesus said, you guys are my friends. How did they become friends? They became friends because they spent time together a lot of time together. They went through difficulties together. They had and saw great victories and miracles together. They suffered persecution together. Small group gives you that opportunity. God brought a picture to my mind of a time a number of years ago when my wife and I were doing some ministry with a bunch of young people. And we went up on a trip, and we were in the Yukon and northern BC. And we had with us a number of youth, and we got to this one area. We were kind of led there by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to give you that whole story at this point. But while we were there, see, we traveled. We had a van and a bus, everybody traveling together. We went through some crisis. We went through some good things, but I'll tell you what lifelong relationships were built. We ended up having the bus break down in the middle of the highway. So we got all the young people out because young people have a lot of energy. Said, well, you got to push the bus off the road. We can't leave it in the middle of the road. So we pushed it off off the side where we could kind of park it. But we were in the middle of nowhere in the Yukon. And I said, well, it looks like we're stuck here. I'm going to make some phone calls in the morning, but it's too late now. Get your tents out. Everybody had tents. We camped on the side of the road, and we camped on the side of the road for three days. I'll tell you, there's nothing like a little crisis to draw people together. We ended up then for a month meeting at a church in a smaller community where God moved and many got saved. And that group slept in the church every night, ate together. Many amazing things happened. And to this day, there's not a youth that went there that doesn't remember vividly how God moved. You see, because the crisis of being stuck in the ditch was a low point, but there was a move of God and it comes to my mind remembering one evening in particular where God so moved on people by his Holy Spirit, where there was life change that happened, where there were people that were completely set free from spiritual issues that they needed to be set free. I remember the young people saying, we need to pray over this building. It was an old church that had not been used, a log church. 
and we need to pray at the doors. And I remember they were fired up to pray at the doors. I was pretty tired. I don't know how late it was, but I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can pray at the doors. And just in case anybody's wondering, guys were on this side of the church, girls were on this side of the church, and there was no crossing the middle. But they weren't ready for sleep. They wanted to pray. Everybody got up in their pajamas and off they go to the front door of the church. We just want to pray. They begin praying. And I remember hearing this small group and they're praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit presence came right there. And there was young people that had been praying over, oh God, just move on this community. The next thing they're praying in tongues. And some of them start dancing, praying in tongues because the Holy Spirit moved. But it happened with the small little group. And it happened when that connection was built where there was enough trust that nobody really cared what anybody thought anymore. You see, we'd cross that line probably somewhere three days in the ditch. That line was crossed where I don't really care what the other guy thinks of me or the other girl or... The youth didn't care anymore. They were close enough. Can I encourage you? Be part of a life group and stay connected. Be real and watch what God will do. Love one another and be real. And I tell you this, God will move. Paul was an example of having some close friends. And when you dig in a little deeper, you realize the ones were his close friends, he spent a lot of time with. Romans 16, verse 3 and 5 names a couple that he was really close to. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. You see, Priscilla and Aquila were a couple that Paul connected with, and originally he connected with Aquila because he was a tent maker, and so was Paul. They worked together, and Paul actually lived with them for a while, and they did ministry in different areas. They became lifelong friends, and Paul mentions them a few times in Scripture. And he says, they even risked their lives for me. Wow. Who wants friends like that? I'd like some friends who risked their life for me. Well then, be willing to get connected with others. Be willing to be real with others. And I believe that begins in a small group, a life group. Finally, I'm going to end in just a few minutes. I'm going to take maybe, I think, less than 10 minutes of your time. But I want to say this and make it clear. We are told in Scripture to gather together. Now that can be the large group, but it can also be small group. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says it like this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And that's a good verse for us right now, isn't it? Don't give up on what God's doing because the world is crazy. Trust him. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This is awesome stuff in this verse. Is your mind focusing in a way that you're thinking, how can I help others do good things? King James says, provoke others to good works. When you get together with people, it shouldn't be gossiping or, oh, this is bad. Did you hear about that? No, no, no. It should be, 
How can we do something that would be helpful in the community? What can we do that would help the church? Hey, did you hear about that young couple that needs some furniture? They, they don't even have dishes, I heard. Motivating one another to do God's work. And verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are told to encourage people to get together. Yeah, that's here in this gathering, but I believe it's also life group, where life happens and people mature and grow in their faith. You see, we need each other. We need each other. I need you. I hope you need me. But you know what? When I'm part of a life group, I don't go to the life group as Pastor Danny. I'm one of the group. And if there's a leader there, I don't become the leader when I walk in. I'm part of the life group. Because each of us are real people. And beyond our roles here at the large gathering, when we come to life group, we're just one of the guys at life group, one of the girls, one of the ladies at life group. I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined a life group, do that. Now you're like, oh, but you're pushing it a lot and we're told not to. The day's coming when you can get together in a home and already you can get together here at the church with proper restrictions taking place, okay? So we're going to do this and we are going to believe for it to get better, not worse in our country, in our We're going to believe for restrictions to be gone. They have come and gone before. Have faith. They will come and go again. And you and I will be blessed.